0: Welcome to the Random Dental Articles Podcast. Hi everyone. So today we are going to introduce to this newsletter a first 2023 article. This is going to be about denture aligning and comparing different materials from the conventional dentures and also milled and 3D printed. So we're going to compare all three in terms of their ability to be aligned. Also, we are going to talk about ridge preservation, which is a subject that is going to have different materials and different approaches to it. Thirdly, we are going to compare uh, bulk fill materials and conventional composites in terms of large or small cavities and also their capability of shrinking. Okay, this is going to be the third topic of this week. And also, finally, we have a pediatric dentistry article. In this case, about helping parents helping their children brushing their teeth okay so we're going to start off with the removable prosthodontics article this is going to be from Mert in 2023 named Catcam complete denture resins effects of relining on the sheer bone strength relining of Catcam denture resins so nowadays as it has been for decades complete removal dental prostheses are still made of PMMA due to its great tissue compatibility. Nevertheless there's also a little bit of shrinkage of this material because of the polymerization cycle and this is during and after this stage is completed and that affects of course the fitness of and the retention of these dentures. As minimal as these percentage of shrinkage is, it's about less than 1%, that's enough to affect the quality of life of patients that use these type of dentures. So, turning to the most recent years, with the advent of CAD-CAM, these dentures can now be made by a subtractive technique, namely by computerized numeric controlled milling, or an addictive technique, in this case, the 3D printing. The first offers better results in terms of retention and mechanical properties. And also, both techniques in terms of the, the CAD-CAM techniques, uh, both subtractive and addictive, offer Um, A reduced number of appointments because you don't need to do a lot of uh, Testings of the denture and the waxing and the trying out of the teeth and also it's going to lower the cost Because if you don't have to do all that manufacturing if in one take or in two takes you can do the denture That's going to reduce those costs. Okay, even with all these improvements We know that bone resorption still occurs over time, leading to that loss of retention and stability of these dentures, any one of them. So these losses have to be compensated in some way, and that way is by relining. During the first year post-extraction, and this is in the case of immediate dentures when there's extractions involved, this is when relining is more common to be necessary, okay? The relining of PMMA dentures doesn't seem to have problems in terms of its bonding and also the strength of the denture okay these are the PMMA dentures the literature is still sparse in terms of the cat cam ones it's being even questionable in terms of its effectiveness although it does seem to work okay comparing of course various materials in terms of their aligning the studies are also lacking still for us to be able to really analyze the bonding strength and mechanical properties of milled dentures this study is going to analyze these conditions in an in vitro way okay so four groups have been established the conventional PMMA denture, a milled Evo Base material, a milled Evotion material from EvoClar and a 3D printed material from Next Denture 3 d 25 samples each, half relined and half not relined, okay? The relining material utilized was a conventional self-curing PMMA resin, in this case ProBase Cold, From Evoclar Vivident from Liechtenstein, and all specimens were put under 10,000 cycles of thermocycling in distilled water between 5 degrees and 55 degrees Celsius. The 3D printed samples had a lower shear bond strength compared to the other three groups with no difference between milled, and conventional specimens. After relining, all groups were left with a lower maximum load for debonding, meaning that it became easier for the debonding to happen afterwards, after the relining in this case. Again, the lowest values were for the 3D printed group, Finally, all groups when fracturing suffered a mixed failure, it being a sum of cohesive failure in the reliant zone and in the non relined zone, and also an adhesive failure bit in between the adhesive material. The flexural strength results for 3D printed dentures were also the poorest of them all. So why is this happening? The worst results of the 3D printed relining may be due to the absence of cross-linking between the PMMA surfaces. Meaning what? Normally the conventional PMMA dentures and the milled ones of course are made of a methyl methacrylate material. This is the PMMA material that these dentures are made of. In case of the 3D printed dentures, they are primarily composed of bisphenol A dimethacrylate. So the union between this material and the methyl methacrylate is not going to crosslink as well as the other dentures because they are made of the same material. So this is probably the cause for the lack of shear bone strength. A previous study already showed that when relining 3D printed dentures, if a heat polymerized resin is used, there are no significant differences between these dentures and conventional ones. Heat polymerized Relining resins also show better results than self-curing ones. This is a good info for the patients to have when you need to reline their dentures in other clinics in an emergency situation, to know that their dentures are 3D printed and therefore require heat polymerized resin for its relining. So that's important for the dentists to know and also for the patients to know which material are these dentures made of. Nonetheless, it's for now established that 3D printed dentures have the worst results when relining with conventional self-curing relining resin, which is the most common thing to do nowadays. So moving on to implantology, Stumberg in 2020 made an article named 3-dimensional analysis of dimensional changes after alveolar ridge preservation with bone substitute or plasma rich growth factors. This is a randomized and controlled clinical trial. So after a tooth extraction, it's known that there's a soft and hard tissue alteration to the alveolar bone. In this case, in terms of its contour reduction. When there's no periodontal ligament involved because of the extraction of the tooth, what happens is there's a resorption process which is most effective during the first three months after the extraction. This is an important topic when we're talking about implant osteointegration success because the stabilization of these tissues lead to a better long-term result. To safeguard this kind of resorption, various techniques were introduced for the alveolar preservation and for the buccal wall preservation the immediate implant placement is one of them, although some studies show that this alone do not prevent ridge alterations. Plasma-rich in growth factors have been proposed to help in the healing process, which brings not only the aforementioned growth factors, but also the absence of white blood cells, for they would prolong the inflammation phase and give a less effective cell migration. The plasma-rich in growth factors stimulate the bone and the soft tissue healing by initiating cross link network formation, for in this case a better protection from pathogens. So for this study, 43 patients were included in a study that occurred between January 2018 and June 2019, so about a year and a half. Four modalities were used. 10 patients for each, approximately, in this case, 10 patients with spontaneous healing, and 11 patients with, first group, bovine bone mineral covered with resorvable native collagen membrane, another one with freeze-dried bone allograft covered with resorvable native collagen membrane, and finally, just plasma rich in growth factors. A CBCT scan was performed both immediately after the tooth extraction, previously, of course, to the implant placement, and after 12 weeks, which is the common three-month period from which we start to rehabilitate those implants. And in terms of the results, we can see that after the three-month period, the least reduction in width was found in the second group. In this case, the bovine bone mineral covered with the collagen membrane. There's still no statistical significant difference between this group and the plasma-rich growth factors group, at any levels below the crest, in this case 1, 3, and 5 millimeters. These results were statistically valid when we're comparing to the control group of the spontaneous healing. 1 millimeter below the crest, the plasma rich in growth factors had only 16.6% of resorption. The third group, which is the freeze dried bone allograft, had the worst results when compared to both the bovine bone mineral covered with the collagen membrane and also the plasma in growth factor groups. In terms of the vertical dimension all groups had better results compared to the control group, the alveolar ridge resorption was less pronounced in higher depths, which means that these techniques have a greater influence one millimeter below the crest. Finally, the buccal wall was still the area that had the greatest bone resorption, which is in agreement with previous studies, meaning that we still maintain the fact that the buccal wall is something that is very difficult to maintain. The worst results of the freeze-dried allograft can be attributed to its faster resorption rate because of their greater osteoclastic activity. It would have better results if the alveolar wall had more than one millimeter of thickness, but this article doesn't take this into account. Some drawbacks of the study are that this is a study that doesn't take into account the periodontal phenotype, or the socket wall thickness. This, of course, influences the point that we just mentioned about the freeze-dried allograft. Also, there were no soft tissue healing assessments performed. And we can still conclude that the plasma rich in growth factors or the bovide bone mineral with the native collagen membrane lead to a reduced horizontal and vertical bone loss, but no technique could completely prevent alveolar bone dimensional changes. The third article this week is in pediatric dentistry from Aliyah Bari in 2020. Home-based toothbrushing interventions for parents of young children to reduce dental caries, a systematic review. So, parental supervised brushing is a recommendation from the moment that the first tooth is erupted in the mouth until the child is about 8 years of age. As a mean to better teach and control the oral hygiene of children so that they become capable to keep up the good practice afterwards, of course. This recommendation was put in practice due to the greater risk of developing caries that children are in when left unsupervised, because if they are not taught, how would they know how to brush their teeth, of course. The active toothbrushing time of a child, normally, if unsupervised, is about 10 seconds. So just so you know, it's very little time for them to be brushing their teeth. It's a matter of great importance for parents to be able to guide them and to teach them how exactly they have to do it. On the other hand, children have a tendency to exaggerate the quantity of toothpaste that they use, meaning that they will swallow it or they will uh, have a higher incidence of fluorosis because of this. All a lot of problems that can easily be avoided if the practice of parental supervised brushing is in place. So for all this, this study aimed at reviewing interventions and their effectiveness in promoting home-based toothbrushing by parents. And from little more than 10,000 studies, which from them only 42 were included, including 15 RCTs, three prospective studies and one retrospective study among them. The time frame was between an immediately post-intervention and about five years later. The quality of these studies, even though the selection was criterious, was still poor there was a lack of justification of the choice of the data collection measures the data analysis or even the cause effect of the theory explanation to practice application in some interventions most of the interventions were delivered in a clinic or a hospital or a health center two interventions had additional home visits and six of them had phone calls or text as supplement the majority of the interventions were also given via health practitioners and in one to one appointments Of all the interventions, only 16 showed self-report improvements. Of course, these, as they are self-reported, are open to bias. And out of the 29 studies that explored impacts on caries, 19 of them showed a significant reduction in the experience of it. So the biggest issue found by the authors after all this is still that less than half of the interventions didn't have psychological theory as an item. Meaning that, two things. First of all, the individual components of the intervention, why are you doing this, this leads to that, was not given to the specific target. And secondly, the understanding of the effectiveness of these interventions, so why are they doing this in order to have what result, was something that wasn't also there. This was the first comprehensive review about the promotion of a parental supervised brushing. And for the future, of course, there's a need for higher quality studies we move on to the final article and this is from the Edgy in 2021 in vitro evaluation of marginal adaptation in medium and large size direct class 2 restorations using a bulk fill or layering technique so the bulk fill composites are here to stay because it's much easier for us to work with them if we can manage to put more in the cavity at once, reducing times and also getting that shrinkage to a lower level when comparing to the same amount of composite of conventional ones. okay? There's that possibility. But with this in mind, there are some clarifications to be made when we consider possible drawbacks, meaning the adaptation of the restoration or some compromised biomechanics. In this case, when we're talking about flowable bulk fill composites, that can lower the strength of the surrounding tooth structures when in the presence of larger cavities, because of the lower stiffness of the composites, for an example. Long follow-up studies have shown that both tooth fracture and recurrent cavities were the main reasons for failure, but there hasn't been a specification to any material, so the cavity size doesn't seem to be a factor when comparing bulk fill and traditional composites in older studies some bulk fill composites still have a distinct problem regarding its lower elasticity modulus and this is something for you two to know because this is going to be recurrent in this study which can lead to a destabilization of the residual tooth structure and an overload of the restoration interfaces this study so aims to test the cavity dimension as a factor to be taken into account as well as the class 2 restoration in vitro adaptation after simulated thermocycling occlusal stressing. For this experience, 32 teeth were selected randomly and distributed to 4 groups. The first group was a control group, a small cavity with multi-layered restorations made by Tetric Evoseram from Evoclar, that's the nano-composite for you to know, a small cavity with bulk-fill restorations of SDR flow from Cirona Denseply and also an occlusal layer of about 1.5 to 2 mm of thickness from Tetrica Evoceram as well, and then duplicate these two groups for a large cavity. The adhesive technique was a three-step etching rinse with optimal NFL unidose from CavoCare, and then four years of clinical service protocol was put in place, with 50 newtons of force for 500,000 cycles, and 3,350 thermal cycles between 5 and 55 degrees Celsius. In terms of the results of this study, before thermomechanical loading, the enamel discrepancies weren't significant among all groups, but for dentin, there were significant between groups 3 and 4, in this case, large cavities, traditional versus bulk fill techniques, and the difference was from 55.32% to 81 0.82% of continuous adaptation. What does this mean? This percentage is about the ratio between cumulated distance of all segments with closed margins and overall length of the proximal enamel and cervical enamel and dentin. What does continuous adaptation mean? This percentage is about the ratio between cumulated distance of all segments with closed margins and the overall length of approximal and cervical enamel and dentin. So 55.32% means that there are a little more than half of the margins had continuity, okay? After the thermomechanical loading, there was a significant drop in value in the enamel and dentin values for all groups, as expected, but worse for bulk fill groups. The enamel margins didn't have a significant difference in between groups for the cervical margins, meaning that the differences between groups transpose between the beginning of the experiment and after loading so their differences are the, about the same when we're starting the experiment and when we're finishing the experiment after the thermomechanical loading. But for the proximal margins, the bulk fill groups had a higher number of microfractures. In dentin, the worst result was of the small bulk filled cavity and the best one for the large bulk filled cavity. And why is that? Because a lower rigidity of composite in a smaller cavity with thicker walls has more stress at the dentin restoration interface resulting in debonding and enamel fractures. In a larger cavity however, when the walls are thinner and there's less movement, At the dentin cervical margin that's where the best results at the dentin cervical margin happen with all these results it's factual that there's a need for better clinical studies standardized in terms of cavity size for these findings to be compared to reality this is just an in vitro study so this has to be having some foundation in the clinical practice what we can say for now is that the enamel margins have a better response at the approximate level and the smaller the cavity the better the ninted margins act, which can make us think about the supposed advantage of doing one-take-large cavity restorations with these resins. Let's wait for the clinical studies for us to find out. So that's it this week. Thank you again for being there. Don't forget to rate the podcast and be back for next week. Bye.